Welcome to Works in Progress, a podcast from the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. I'm Avishai Artsy. The Department of Design Media Arts is in the midst of a three-quarter sequence called Introduction to Ecological Art and Justice. This winter quarter, Peter Lunenfeld, a professor of design media arts and the department's vice chair, is teaching the class. And it basically brings together design research, which is how do designers do research and how do they output things that are pretty different than the rest of campus. And then as the subject matter of that, it's it's looking at issues in environmental justice and environmental racism through the lens of Southern California and Los Angeles in specific. This came out of a long series of discussions with the chair of my department, Rebecca Mendez, who is also the director of our counterforce lab for art design in the environment. Uh, she and I had taught a class many years ago called Brand Lab, where we were looking at design research in one quarter and then design practice in another quarter because Rebecca is a world-renowned visual designer and artist, and I've written quite a bit and done quite a lot on design research. But then as we were thinking about how the curriculums evolved in the wake of George Floyd's murder and a kind of turn at UCLA to being very explicit about issues of equity, issues of justice, uh, and addressing racism, this just seemed like a really fertile place for us to be working together, taking her expertise in environmental concerns and art and design, and mine in design research. And I, I had just uh, written a book about the history of Los Angeles called City at the Edge of Forever, Los Angeles Reimagined. You know, one of the things we're always looking for in our department and the School of the Arts and Architecture is cross-pollination. How do you take people's interests and bring them together? We have a lecturer, Erin Cooney, who's actually also uh, did her master's in our department, and she's been teaching a kind of general introduction to the idea of ecological justice and art uh, design and ecology in the fall. And then I teach this class on design research on these topics in the winter. And then Rebecca teaches a kind of practice of design around these issues in the spring. So the idea is, and we're developing, this is the first year we've run these three courses together. We're really excited about what's going to come of it. And we're feeling that the students are getting a better sense of everything from ecology to issues of racial justice and equity, and also how design research and design practice can affect issues of cultural and climatological change. And it does have a, quite a strong Los Angeles focus, and not just Los Angeles. You're looking a little bit outside Los Angeles too, right? The two areas that we've been looking at are, one was a historical watershed in the American environmental movement, which was a 1969 oil spill in Santa Barbara, uh, which happened basically to affect the wives and children of rich businessmen who had been giving money to Richard Nixon's campaign for president, which he won. And um, basically when they the family started to complain, there was a real sense that, you know, Richard Nixon would pick up the phone personally for some of these donors. And, you know, we talked about how the American environmental movement in part grows out of this. Earth Day literally grows out of this. And it's because it's affecting a group of people with an immense amount of power. 
And I'm contrasting that with something that's ongoing, which is in Vernon, which is a small industrial town with a tremendously corrupt history. Vernon has a, um, a former battery plant called Exide. And uh, Exide had been poisoning the majority uh, Latinx community around them for decades and went bankrupt and managed to avoid paying any of the bill for this. And, you know, we really talked about, you know, who are heroes, who are villains in this. We, we, we spent a lot of time doing what I would call cartographic investigations and cartographic innovations. So the first assignment they had was to do a mental map of Los Angeles. And these were people who had grown up here, uh, some of the students, and some of the students had literally spent exactly one quarter on campus uh, and that was it because they had to go, they weren't even allowed back in winter quarter uh, because of the Omicron virus. So the, their experience was basically moving into the dorms, spending a little bit of time, going home for Christmas, and then not being able to come back. So it's just interesting to be able to bring this kind of geolocative knowledge to bear in the classroom and the studio. I also have been moving personally towards trying to do more and more hybrid teaching, not just hybrid teaching with remote and in-person, but hybrid trying to combine lecturing, trying to combine seminars, and trying to combine studio work to a certain extent, because I think that that's what some of the best classes at UCLA in the School of the Arts and Architecture can bring, which is this kind of mix of research rigor that the university itself is known for with the creative practices that you know we specialize in in our school. Tell me a little bit about what you're having the students read. I mean, you mentioned your own book, City at the Edge of Forever, Los Angeles Reimagined, uh, but then you've also put together a pretty wide-ranging assortment of writings about Los Angeles. The readings in the class have been wonderful and diverse, and I've tried to bring in you know, a range of voices about L.A. So, you know, classics of, of the genre, like Rainer Banham's Los Angeles, The Architectures of Ford Colleges. We read a chapter of that. Um, uh, Lawrence Weschler's famous essay about L.A. light called L.A. Glows. Jenny Price's really, really interesting um, essay from Believer called 13 Ways of Seeing Nature in L.A., in which she says that L.A. is really the best place to think about nature in the 21st century. We read Ruben Martinez's history of graffiti in L.A. called Going Up in L.A. And then Sandra Singh-Lowe does a, a great short piece called Coming Home to Van Nuys, just about the valley. And then um, also a pretty grim uh, section of Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, the great um, black um, science fiction author uh, that's literally set this year. And um, her, her dystopian fiction about uh, Southern California uh, it's really fantastic. We, we, we even would watch um, videos like uh, Tupac Shakur or Machiavelli, um, To Live and Die in L.A., which uh, you know, had a lot of resonance this year at the, at the Super Bowl and the halftime show, which seemed almost like a remounting of some of the classic South Los Angeles locales that are featured in uh, Tupac's uh, video. Uh, we, we also read, uh, you know, major works about design research. And then um, we did deep dives into the literature of ecological justice, 
and also the the economics of all of this by reading about the origins of Earth Day, by going deep into the Santa Barbara oil spill and the Exide battery plant catastrophes. It's always part of my philosophy that people should read um, multiple perspectives. So one of the, the essays that we read about Santa Barbara was by a corporate flack who explained how he tried to talk about what had happened in this oil spill in the way that was the best way for the oil uh, company and its industry. We uh, concluded our last readings were actually from the Austrian School of Libertarian Economics, uh, saying that uh, the way that uh, basically all regulations were uh, immoral and that everything about uh, the ecology should be handled via the invisible hand of the market and um, economic competition. And I have to say, I can't agree with this, but I felt it was really important for the students to encounter exactly the kinds of arguments that they were going to encounter if they ever did go out and do this kind of work. I, I make a big case that that one of the things that all of my students need to do when they emerge into the working world is they have to take on a pro bono client. And that pro bono client has to be the future. And that it has to be a future that they want to live in. So we spend a lot of time talking about that. And that this is about, you know, how do you share that future you want to live in, right, with people who are economically dispossessed. You know, one of the economists I was reading with them uh, said that basically, you know, people sometimes make rational choice decisions after um, paying rent and feeding their families. They can't afford to live away from pollution. So that explains why they live next door to pollution, which is certainly the bloodless economist view of how this works. But, you know, if those were my kids and they were getting cancer, I'd be pretty angry. So we've we've really tried to go through and um, do this kind of uh, mix of reading and intervention. Again, many, many maps actually generated. Um, one student in particular, Gwydion, has been doing a lot with um, computer artificial intelligence and what are called GAN networks that take input like multiple photographs so you can do a scrape of google maps and then it will output something that it thinks looks like what it's been given and it becomes a kind of recognizable yet distanced almost oblique view of what the human sensorium takes in and he's been playing with that doing really interesting analyses and then outputs the student behind that project is guidian brain I'm very interested in artificial intelligence image generation through neural networks, um, uh, among other things. I do quite a bit of stuff, but um, I really kind of dug into that for this class and examining Vernon as um, a fiefdom, as uh, Professor Lunenfeld explained it, and um, also kind of digging into that corporate nightmare was kind of this fascinating deep dive, not only the biases that we see from artificial intelligence when it's image scraping off the internet um, with a non-specific data set, also, just trying to recontextualize the actual mapping of Vernon, I focused on the zoning of the area, um, and I actually could not get an up-to-date uh, modern map of it. Uh, I think earliest I got was 2001. Uh, they do not make that information readily available, and you know that was also something very important to me back home in San Francisco when trying to understand and recontextualize my own neighborhood. Uh, I looked into the zoning uh, and found we were surrounded by just this ring of industrial and I wouldn't be surprised if Vernon was very much the same. But yeah, being able to recontextualize one's understanding of the space relative to 
corporatism, neoliberal economics, or just like government corruption, uh, I think was uh, very fascinating and eye-opening. One of the uh, maxims of the class is that it's not an experiment if it can't fail. Then it's just a demo. So I'm looking for experimental work. This class is not about finished design work. It doesn't look like the rest of the work coming out of the program because it's not supposed to. It's supposed to be about taking design research and then playing with it and coming up with provisional work that will then be iterated and turned into this sort of very well-crafted design and art projects that the department's known for. Tell me about some of the other projects the students are working on. One of our students did a, a really interesting, if somewhat terrifying project of driving back and forth on the 10 while shooting photos out the window. And she wanted to talk about how the 10 was this necessary arterial for her to get to friends and family on the east side, but talk about the literal scarring of the city, and she was showing how various streets are completely interrupted. Boyle Heights was you know, almost uh, you know, rent into two halves by um, you know, the, the great east side interchange, uh, where the five, the 10, and the 110 all come together. And this really you know, did, did deep violence to the Latinx community that, that lives there, or that lived there and that continues to live there. The student behind that project is Ella Rose Bandaveras. It's called Millions of Angelinos and Me, Our Complicated Relationship with the 10 Freeway. And it basically studies the heroes and villains of Los Angeles freeways, the 10 that runs from the East LA Interchange all the way to the ocean, pretty much, to Santa Monica. And, you know, that freeway is the vessel that connects me to my family and to my friends and to my sense of community on the east side. I spend a lot of time on it and I was just in my project thinking about the auto industry and all the collusion there that made it so these government systems plowed through neighborhoods to build it. For example, like the East LA Interchange just is on top of Boyle Heights. And then also the divide that it creates generally in Los Angeles, you know, north of the 10, south of the 10. And yeah, what that means to the city. Another student came in and drew from her own experience growing up in Beijing and did a really beautifully hand-illustrated map of Los Angeles and the Environmental Air Pollution Index using really innovative colors that felt almost Instagram-like in their contemporaneity as opposed to you know, all the maps that we've been looking at from official government agencies, which really feel like their visual vocabulary sort of stopped in about 1974. So that was wonderful. We've had various projects about Disneyland, looking at Walt Disney as both an ecological hero and villain, thinking about Disney and their experiences there, thinking about the you know nightly explosions with fireworks and, and what that does to air quality in Anaheim, but also thinking about Epcot and his ideas about how the world was going to eventually evolve into a more ecologically sustainable model. Again, trying to look at both sides of that. One student who'd grown up in Huntington Beach 
uh, talked about the Bolsa Chica wetlands and developments that are happening alongside and also the attempt to kind of clear that out. And he was very much interested in you know, trying to create a, a visual campaign to protect the bird sanctuaries that are there. And uh, he took a, a pretty well-known phrase of, from the environmental movement, keep it in the ground about oil. And he paired it with his own, which was keep it in the ground so they can stay in the air. He created a poster that really worked. And I think the response from the students was very, very strong to that. Aaron Matthew Fazio and Philip Otto worked together on a couple of mapping projects. We ended up doing research into mapping of Southern California, and Philip really found a gold mine where uh, UC Santa Barbara has the largest um, archive of aerial photography, I believe, uh, in the United States. And so we, um, each in our own ways, scoured those uh, those archives and focused on different um sections of Southern California and use aerial photography and mapping as the core foundation of like both of our projects. Yeah, I was I was really interested in this idea of exploring um, exploring cities and exploring place um, through aerial photography and aerial imagery. I think we've all gotten very used to um, seeing satellite views through Google Maps and Google Earth. So sort of using that as a medium um, and going back through these archives of historical aerial photography and really kind of seeing what can that imagery tell us about a place and looking at that imagery over time. Um, so for my part of it, I was contrasting the city of Vernon and the city of Santa Barbara. Um, two places that are in, in such extreme contrast um, with each other and looking at the aerial imagery and, and then using some pixel sorting techniques to kind of create these composite portraits um, of these geospatial areas using the color palettes and kind of seeing you know, what these different built environments um, look like in kind of a abstracted way. So for my portion, I um, studied at the Port of Los Angeles and I uh, picked a specific area of the um, outer terminal. My project went from, I believe like 1942 to 2011. And it, it shows the outward expansion of the Port of Los Angeles um, from being like, you know, relatively modestly sized to uh, the uh, endless shipping containers that you see today. Something I, I really appreciated about Aaron's presentation was kind of also being able to see these different markers um, through time. So we sort of, we were able to see the proliferation of NAFTA um, and how kind of that interplayed with the physical changes of the ports um, and that actual landmass. Um, and then you were also able to kind of see how the standardization of shipping containers um, also played such a big role. And you actually kind of see the transformation of the port and suddenly all these containers um, arriving. Thought it was really fascinating. 
I asked Peter Lunenfeld and his students what they might take with them from this class into their design careers. Students should be able to take away the idea that design research is something that's specific to their process, that that they can go in and do a kind of investigation that has equal rigor to what a sociologist or a scientist does, but does it for different ends. And we talk a lot about affordances. How do you get an, a readership uh, or a listening group or you know people who are interacting with you know some sort of environment or software, how do you get them to really engage with a subject matter. And that's the kind of work that I'm hoping that our investigations into design research and then into very specific questions about the environment, about justice, about race, and then also located in a place that they're already in, that that's what I'm hoping they'll be able to do. I think being creative and operating outside of the systems at hand has been the biggest thing that I've learned from this class, I think. Like, expanding the canvas almost or um, operating outside of the master's tools has been like my personal exploration and thought process. And also it's really taught me about the power of collaboration and um, being a designer is a lot of times such a individualistic experience and everyone has their different process, but really like seeing my classmates and my professor come together and explore these ideas together um, has been really inspiring and something I think I'll take away. It was very helpful as a course that um, kind of discarded the whole idea of a final product and said, I want to see what comes out of your process. The design research is the product. And I feel like a lot of other classes that we've taken have been very much focused on like, yeah, you need to iterate, walk us through your ideas, but I still really care about that final product, but also the process is really important and it should be part of your final product. And this was very much, I don't care about your final product. I want to see what got you there and turn that into something. And I think, especially in the context of environmental justice, since it was very much not kind of something you would traditionally do art about, it really opened up the door to thinking very creatively about how we go about design research and process as a form of design, which I think at its core design is just iteration until, at least in the commercial sense, the client is satisfied or the artists are satisfied. I think it's helped me think about my work in a new way and in, in the sense of being less focused on just the final output and more about the whole narrative and thinking about how the process is just as much um, the work as whatever you know finished piece of output that it generates. What I take away from it is is just how much history and backstory there there are to all of these things that I've I've taken for granted living here, and to really appreciate kind of how truly unique and singular Los Angeles is as a city, as a major, you know, world city. There's no place like it. And uh, every single section of this place has a really fascinating history behind it. And it's there to like be uncovered. That was Peter Lunenfeld and students Ella Rose Bandaveris, Gwydion Brain, Philip Otto, and Aaron Matthew Fazio. You can also find the story that we produced about the fall quarters class on ecological justice and art at our website, arts.ucla.edu. 
I'm Avishai Artsy. Works in Progress is a podcast from the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. Thanks for listening and take care.